0: Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. We can worship in one accord. You know, I've been praying about, God, what would you have me speak on over these next few weeks? Obviously, you know what's going on in our society right now, and man, it's a it's a, it's a battle, it's a battle, I don't know about you, but it makes my heart sicken to see what is happening in Minneapolis, I, I spent many years in Minneapolis there, going to college there at North Central, and I lived there for six years, and my wife worked in the area of where all that uh, fires and looting is going on, and we lived down the block, about a block and a half, my three kids and my wife, we lived about a block and a half where, where it really was taking Place at, and it really sickened my heart to see what is happening to such a beautiful city. So, I want to encourage you as as a congregation, let's pray not only for Minneapolis, but all the other states and all the other places that are under this pressure right now. I don't know about you, but the Bible says to love God and to love your neighbor. It doesn't single out skin or color or race or creed, it says loving your neighbor. And I want to encourage encourage you. Examine your heart. So today, in saying that, I want to speak to you today about who? Me? Yeah, you. Have you ever been one that maybe you've been caught at something doing wrong or something good? And once you got caught, you said the person said to you did you do that? And your response to that person who asked you if you did that, you say, "Who me? Are you kidding? I didn't do that." And all of a sudden, we maybe get defensive, or we get funny, or we get squirmy about maybe being asked, "Did you do that? Who me? I like this. We like to blame others or make excuses of why uh, we did not we did." what we did, instead of taking responsibility, that you may have done it. I love this. In our country right now, people are outraged. They're outraged because of different events uh, that are going on, and instead of taking responsibility for their own actions, we are blaming others. And I wanted to talk to you today about looking at yourself, looking at yourself. I I wanted to start this off about who me. We will never be able to solve our problems if we first don't don't look at ourselves. So we solve our problems or our situations by taking a look at ourselves, looking at the inward of who we are. What is my part in the situation? I love this. In every fight, battle, or struggle, we must look at ourselves and say, what is my part in it? What is your part in maybe the fight, the battle, or the struggle that is going on in our world, in our cities, in our country right now? What is my part? You see, when you find out what is your part, you find the need and you feel it. You find the situation and you fix it. So when you find what is your part, your part is to fix what your part is and say, God, I'm going to change my attitude. I'm going to change my outlook. I'm going to change my thinking. And I'm going to change my way. I like this. We live in a society, we live in a society where we want to blame, where we want to blame before we take the blame. And so you hear that? We want to blame before we want to Take the blame. And so I want to just encourage you today, look at yourself, stop blaming others and pointing fingers at others and looking at yourself. I like this, no one wants to admit we are wrong. No one wants to admit they are wrong because we always want to be right. How many of you know that is so true? Whenever we get into an argument, what is it we're arguing about? I'm right, you're wrong. And a lot of times we still continue to be in arguments because we are standing on what we think is right. We always got to be right. But maybe, just maybe, you're not right. Maybe there is some wrong in you. Maybe there is things that you need to change. Maybe there is some things that you need to stop saying in your life. I love uh, Matthew's chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. I love those verse or those chapters in the Word of God. In Matthew in 5, 6, and 7, it's where Jesus really gets down to the nitty-gritty. He teaches in those chapters. In chapter 5, it starts out with the beatitude. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who are the peacemakers. And he starts out with the beatitudes. But then he goes from there. He goes he talks about in Matthew 5 that we are the salt and the light. You see, what is salt? Salt brings preservatives. Salt brings flavor. We are the light to the world that brings exposes darkness. So Jesus, all through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, is teaching. He talks about murder. He talks about divorce. He talks about loving your neighbors or your enemies. He talks about giving to the needy. He talks about fasting. But then he gets into Matthew chapter 7, and when he gets into Matthew chapter 7, starting with verse uh, 1, he talks about there, and I love those. And in these chapters, Jesus was not just speaking to the crowd, he was speaking to you. So a lot of times what happens is when we hear a sermon in the church, when we hear a sermon is going on, the first thing we want to do is we want to nudge our spouse. And we think, wow, well, he's speaking to you, honey. No, he's speaking to you. But Jesus was not just speaking to the crowd He was speaking to the individuals. That's you and I. And so many times what happens is we want to let it go through one ear and out the other, thinking what is being spoke to us or instructed to us, it's not for me but it's for someone else. When Jesus speaks, the Bible says not one word fell to the ground. So Jesus is speaking to you today, not the crowd, not the congregation, but you as an individual. So I want to ask you and I want to challenge you, say, Lord, give me ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to me, not to maybe my spouse that's sitting in the recliner to the left of me or not to my, my grandson that's maybe sitting on my lap or my my son or my daughter, but Lord, give me ears to hear what you're saying to me. You see, listen, as we're training up kids, as we're training up our kids, it's to instruct them to become adults in their life. That's what we train them to be. As parents, we have the responsibility as they be newborns to 18 years old, we have a responsibility to train them and to teach them to become adults in life. It's the same way with the Lord. Isn't Jesus considered our Abba, Father? Maybe you accepted Jesus Christ when you were 40 years old or 10 years old or even 50 years old, but the moment the moment you accept the Lord, you are a baby in Christ. And Jesus has an obligation to teach you through his word to become more Christ-like. Christ-like means to become more like him. After all, isn't Christian to stand for Christ-like? So God's responsibility in his word of God is to teach us and to train us and to help us to become more Christ-like like. And sometimes the things that Christ says or the Word says to us, we don't like because I don't know about you, but when somebody steps on your bunions or steps on your toes, it doesn't feel good. And sometimes the Word of God says it's used for rebuking, training and teaching and correcting. So here in Matthew, Jesus is teaching. I love this. Jesus doesn't teach us to restrain us or hold us back or uh, uh, reframe us from the good things of life. What Jesus teaches us is for the benefit of our lives so that we can succeed in this life. So when you get into Matthew chapter 7, it's one of those teachings that Jesus gives to us to help us become better people. People or more Christ-like, so I want to encourage you today. When I read these verses of Scripture, remind yourself that God is speaking to you, not the person to the right or to the left of you, but to you, and He's challenging you in this area. And here's what He says: Do not judge. Woo-hoo, right off the bat, Matthew chapter seven, verse one: Do not judge. But look what He says. Or you, too, will be judged. For the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Wow. My mother always said, when you point fingers at someone, 10 come back at you. Man, no matter what, when you start judging... You know what happens it starts coming back to you. You know why do you look at the speck or the sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? You see what Jesus is saying? He says taking a look at yourself. How can you say to your brother, "Let me take the speck out of your eye?" He said, "How do you do that?" He said, "You can't just take the speck out of the own eye." He said, "Listen, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank In your own eye. But look at what he says in verse 5. He says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye. So in other words, what Jesus is doing, before you start judging and pointing fingers at someone else, you need to start looking at yourself. You know, the other day I was taking my contact out, and it was so crazy, I lost it. And uh, so now I have to go out and go, go get a new eye exam. That was my last contact for my right eye. And I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, Now, even as I'm speaking right now, I don't have the contact in. So it's crazy. Like, I don't have the sight that I had when I had my contact in. So now starting Monday, I'll have to go back and go to the eye doctor and get a new contact. But you know what is crazy? The moment I have that contact in my eye, I can see clearly. But right now I can't. And it's the same way you can't see clearly if you got a plank in your eye, but the moment you take it out, it's like the contact is all of a sudden you'd be able to see things clearer. But then he goes on to say, he said, "Do not give dogs what is the sacred, do not throw away your pearls to the pigs. if you do, they will trample them under their feet and turn the in tears into pieces, tear them into pieces so I love this. Notice what Jesus is talking about here he's talking about. Judging. He's talking about judging. Do you know what it means to judge? To judge means making false assumptions. Have you ever done that before? Making false assumptions about people. Assuming this, assuming that. Giving your opinions. Right now, there's 100 million opinions floating on right now. Everybody has an opinion about what's going on in our society. Going on what others say about them. How many times do we judge people by what other people said about them? And then another one. We label them. And once we label them, what happens? It's hard to break that label off them. So when we judge them, what we're doing is we're making false assumptions, giving up our opinions, We're, we're judging by what others say, and then top it all off. We put a label on them. That's not what we should be doing. Notice what Jesus says, that we need to stop judging others. People's famous words are, are you judging me? That's people's famous words. Are you judging me? Are you profiling me? Are you looking me up and down, trying to judge me and think who I am? And a lot of times that's what happens. We profile people by the way they look, by the way they act, or even by how they talk. And so we judge them. The old saying is never judge a book by its cover. Read the contents You see a lot of times we judge the book by its cover And I can say that for a fact I just went to Hobby Lobby And I was looking at all the books there at Hobby Lobby Because I like to buy them there Because they're cheaper there than other places And a lot of times I'll pick up a book by its cover I like maybe what it says on the cover So I'll I'll turn and open the book up And look at the table of contents To see what it's all about But if I don't like sometimes the cover And maybe what's on the cover Guess what I'm just going to pass that book by and that's the same thing we do sometimes with people. You know, I've learned something about being when I worked in a nursing home. I used to work at Augustana Nursing Home there in Minneapolis, Minnesota, right across the street from North Central. And, you know, here I worked amongst all these older people. But I found something to be so true. Here we discard sometimes the older people. We send them to a nursing home, and I hate even to say it, we disguise them and we just wait for them to pass away. But I found something in the older people. They were books that needed to be read. I remember, man, after work, I would go to many of their rooms and I would sit with them. Some were missionaries, some were pastors, some were scientists, some were doctors. And, man, they had so much wisdom, so much knowledge, so many nuggets that they gave me through my times of spending with them. But I never would have known the nuggets or the wisdom or the things that they have for me if I would have never taken the Time to read the contents. You see, you will never know your brother or your sister if you're always judging by its cover. I wonder do you judge color by its cover? Do you judge actions by its cover and not getting to know the contents of their heart? My concern for you is make sure that you're not judging by its cover but get to read the contents. Get to know what God has for them. You see, listen, I love what it says in verses 3 and 5. It says to take out the plank in your own eye. To take out the plank in your own eye. Sometimes what planks are are assumptions that we make up about people, and so therefore we don't see them correctly. So what Jesus is trying to instruct us to say, before you can see clearly you have to be able to take the plank out of your eye so that you have clear visibility or understanding of an individual. Don't judge people by its cover because you're not maybe seeing them clearly because of the plank you have in your eye. But Jesus says in verse 5 of Matthew chapter 7, he calls us hypocrites. In other words, you know what that means? Being somebody you say you are but not So you say you're a Christian, you say you're a believer, but are you living it out? You say you love God, but if you love God, you have to love your neighbor. You see, the Bible says if you don't love God, you don't know God because God is love. You can't love God without loving your neighbor. You have to love your neighbor as yourself. And so many times what happens, we want to say we're Christians, we want to say we're believers, and we want to say all the right cliches, but saying it is one thing, but doing it is another. You have to act it out. Be who God put in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus, from the dead now lives in you. You have to act it out. That's why 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 says, "...he who claims he lives in him must walk as Jesus did." How did Jesus walk? He walked with compassion. He walked with love. He walked with understanding. He didn't walk with a clenched fist and anger and rage and all these things. No, he walked with love and compassion. He found the need and he filled it. That's what God wants us to do. And if you say you're a Christian or a believer and you're not walking it out, you're called a hypocrite. And that's not me saying it, that's Jesus saying it. So we can put all the, th- the things on our, and titles on our lives and say, I'm a Christian. You know what? The Bible says, not all who say, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but he who does the will of my Father. So you can say, God, I love you. Lord, I do this, I do that. But you know what? God doesn't care what you do because it's not by works that you've been saved, but it's by grace. And God wants you to walk out the same grace and the same favor, the same understanding that you have received from him him he wants you to show that to others so when you see what's going on in our world right now is that really grace is that really being a believer you see we can go on the streets and we can vandalize and tear things up and go back to our houses and go into our closets and pray that's not being what Christ wants us to be. He wants us to be unified in one accord for his glory and for his, his honor. You see, look at looking at ourselves means that we have to take responsibility for our actions and our deeds. You see, you, you see what that says? That we, not the person here or the person there. It's you. It's why. It's you right now. I have to take responsibility for my own actions. People don't like looking at themselves because they don't like what they see. How true that is. They try to side skirt it. They try to shun it. They try to push it away because they don't like what they see. And maybe what they see is a hard heart. Maybe it's a greedy heart, an angry heart, a mad heart. Cheryl and I was just with some people the other day. And I'll tell you, these people were so much younger than Cheryl and I. And I kid you not, after we left these people, this just happened this weekend, this past weekend. And after we left these people, man, I said to Cheryl, I said, and if you remember this commercial, and I'm not trying to bring up an alcohol or anything, but there was a commercial that says that that lady has bitter beer face. And you know what? We left this couple, and they were so much younger than Cheryl and I. But she had a bitter beer face. In other words, you could see that she was so bitter, so angry inside that it showed on her face. Man, she was old looking. She was, man, unhappy. She was always upset and grumpy, very agitated, very irritated all the time. She had a bitter beer face if you want to say that. But so many times what happens, let me ask you, what you're holding on to? Is it really worth holding on to and destroying you and also the others around you? Why don't you let go and say, God, what do I need to change in me? By judging others, it makes you feel better and it takes the blame off us. Isn't that exactly what it does? It just makes you feel better. takes the blame off you. It takes the man responsibility off you. It's easy to pass the buck. But God's not saying there. In Matthew 7, the pastor buck, it's saying, look at you. Look at you. In James chapter 4, I love what he says in verse 12. He says, there's only one lawgiver and judge. There's only one lawgiver and judge. The one who is able to save and destroy. But you, look at what he says, but you, who are you to judge your neighbors? Man, who are you to judge your neighbors? In other words, there's only one lawgiver and one judge. And who is that? Notice Jesus is the ultimate judge, not you. He has the final say, not you. Jesus is the ultimate judge. He's the umpire that calls the balls and strikes in my life, in your life, in other people's lives. Not you. It's Jesus. He has the ability to judge correctly. Do you get that? Jesus has the ability to judge correctly because he sees all and he knows all. Wow. He doesn't have to have a jury in front of him. He doesn't have to present the case. He sees all and he knows all. So when you think you're getting away with things, let me remind you, Jesus sees all and he knows all. He knows what you do in secret and he knows what you do in the open. There's nothing gets by Jesus. And so what he's trying to say is, hey, Examine your heart and make things right. Not only to please people, because people, man, they're going to come and go out of your life. What matters is that you please him. And when you please God, he's going to say to you one day, well done, thy good and faithful servant. When Jesus judges, I love this, he judges more severely than we do. So allow him to do his job and not you. Jesus judges more severely than you. So you want to give him the right hand of fellowship, Jesus wants to give him the knockout punch because he judges more severely than you do. Let God take control. The Bible says the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. How do you transfer that battle into God's hands by getting on your knees? When you're on your knees and you're praying for maybe that one that you're upset at, maybe that one you're not liking, maybe right now even what's going on in our country, you know what you're doing, you're transferring that battle into God's hands, and you know what, if the battle is God's, guess what, he's never lost a battle, nor will he ever lose a battle, so I want to encourage you, transfer your battles into God's hands, when Jesus judges, he judges more severely, that's what he does, I love this, my grandfather, my grandfather will always say, he would always say to me, he said, "CJ." Take care of your own garden and not worry about other people's garden. And if you do that, you're going to have good results in your garden. So he always would say that. He would say, CJ, take care of your own garden. Don't worry about other people's gardens because if you do that, you'll have great results. How true that is. So many times we want to worry about what's going on in someone else's garden that we forget our garden. And when we forget our garden, guess what? The weeds start to spring up. And when weeds spring up in your garden, it chokes out life in you. It chokes out the, 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 the joy in you. And Jesus, man, wants you to take out the plank in your own hour. In other words, take care of your garden. You see, listen, I love this. Peace and resolve come. Peace and resolve come when we first look at ourselves. Man. <laughs> I can't stress that enough. Peace and resolve come when we first look at ourselves. I love David the psalmist. The Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. I love reading Psalms. I love reading David. David had his highs and his lows in his life. And David, man, always was a man after God's own heart. And he really pursued the Lord. But I like this, looking at yourself... It's hard to do, but it's the best thing to do. It's the best thing to do. It pulls out the weeds in your life. God, change me, transform me, fix me, break me, make me, mold me, and shape me into your very image. And I love Psalms 139. Psalms 139, verses 23 and 24. I love what David is saying there. David is laying bare before the Lord. You see, where does healing and goodness and mercy and grace start? It starts by you being honest with God. You can't hide anything from God. After all, like I said, he sees all, he knows all. And he knows your condition of your heart. So when you're trying to pretend with others, you can't pretend with God. So David knew that. And why did God call David a man after his own heart? Because David was honest before God. Honesty brings healing in your life. And watch what David did. He says in Psalms 139, verse 23, look at what he said. The first word says, Search me. He didn't say, Search my neighbor. He didn't say, hey, man, check out this person over here. He said, search me, oh, God. Everything starts with you. He said, God, and know my heart. Why did David say, my heart? Because out of the overflow of your heart, it speaks. It's on the throne over your heart that God lives. So David started right from the center of the core. Lord, start with my heart. And he says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive ways in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. After reading these verses of Scripture, God gave me this as I wrote this out this other, the other day. And I wrote this sermon out. And, man, I I, I started out and I thought it was going to just be part one. And then it would lead into part two. So next week I'll, I'm i going to go into part two of this message. And I, I can't even imagine where God's going to take me in part two. But when God gave me this, he He, he spoke to me in my in my prayer closet, David's four me's. And I want I want you to see what David did. Number one, David's four, four me's. The first thing he did, search me. In verse 23, search me. I want to encourage you right now. Don't look at your brother and sister and start blaming, judging, putting down and condemning. Look at you. Look at yourself first. You see, the road to victory always starts with yourself first. That's what leads to the road to victory. It always starts with you First, but then the second me is this test me, verse 23b test me, you know, test me in my thoughts, my words, and my conduct. That's what David is saying, test me in my thoughts, my words, and my conduct. I love this. I love what am I saying? What am I thinking? That I shouldn't be thinking? That's what in essence David is saying. What am I thinking that I shouldn't be thinking? What am I saying that I shouldn't be saying? How many said this? Open mouth and insert foot. Maybe you shouldn't be saying some of the things that you say. You see, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. Words hurt. And they cut deep, and when you say derogatory things to your brother or your sister, it hurts. And try to mend the relationship back with them when that word went so deep. Be careful by what you say, you know. Listen, or doing what you shouldn't be doing, thinking, saying, and doing. You have to evaluate yourself. What am I thinking? What a man thinketh in his heart, so he will be. Your life will follow your thoughts. What are you thinking? Think about that right now. What are you saying? What are you doing? And if you're being a part of this destructive stuff that is going on right now, you know and I know that is not of God. You know that God doesn't want you to be that type of person. Man, the third me is this. Are there any offensive ways in me? Offensive ways in me. I love what David says. Are there any offensive ways in me? In other words, what is David saying? In other words, David was saying, I am trying, am I trying to get back at someone? That's being offensive. Am I being offensive? Or am I retaliating for what they did to me? You see, what David is saying God, is there any offensive ways in me? Am I trying to retaliate or get back at someone? God doesn't want you to retaliate. After all, doesn't He say when they strike you on one cheek, turn to let them strike you on the other cheek? God doesn't want you to retaliate. You see, love covers over a multitude of sin. And God wants you to love, but love comes from within. And that's why David said, search my heart from out of the overflow of my heart. My mouth will speak and my heart will show love toward those around me and not anger and judge and put down and and, and criticize. You see, if no one takes off the gloves, which is you, the fight will keep on going. Maybe God wants you to take off the gloves. It has to start with someone. Maybe that someone is you. Maybe God is saying today as you're sitting in your chair or watching by a video somewhere on your phone or even like I know that there's some watching in a semi, maybe God is speaking to you. Will you take off your gloves? If it only takes a spark to get a fire going, maybe these fighting, these quarreling, this bickering in our country would stop if you and I and others will take off our gloves. The last one, David says, and I love this one because that's what we all should be lead me. You see, we said, search me, test me, see if there's offensive ways in me, but the fourth me was lead me. You ever think about that? Lead me means let me be teachable. God, let me be teachable. Have you ever noticed what Isaiah says? He is the potter and you and I are the clay. And the reason why he says that, it makes us pliable and teachable for the master to make us into the image of himself. You see, so Let me just encourage you. Lord, lead me means to be teachable, open to correction. We don't like correction, but in the end, it's better for us. I'll tell you, I had to spank my daughter, and I didn't like to do that one time. And, man, I sat outside her door, and I cried harder than her. But it was for her benefit that she was corrected because she did wrong then Jesus corrects us for our benefit, not to hurt us or not to put us down or to shun us, but to correct us and keep us on the right path. But then it says, open to correction and sensitive and sensitive. you got to get this. And sensitive to right and wrong. Ever notice what it says in Ezekiel? That Jesus says, I'm going to take out the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Ever wonder why he says that? Because they lost their sensitivity between right and wrong. And maybe today God is saying, listen, I want you to be sensitive. I want you to be sensitive to right and wrong. You know, when I was growing up and even now, bad, the word bad means good to a lot of people now. We got our, uh, our wording backwards. Bad is good. Good now is actually bad. And it's so funny. God wants you to be sensitive, to be sensitive to right and wrong, to have a conviction in your own heart, not to put down, because there's not no condemn, condemnation in those who love the Lord. There's a difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation puts down. Conviction lifts up. And God wants you to have a conviction in your heart about right and wrong. If we allow the Lord to lead us, we will never end up in a dead end. I'm going to invite my wife in here right now. I just want to encourage you today. Honey, I, I, I just love this congregation. And one of the things, honey, is I, I just pray that we as a church, and not only as a church but those that are listening today, that we will take a big look at ourselves Look down deep inside yourself. Are you racist? I hate even to say that word because that's a high-tempered word right now. Are you saying things, doing things that you shouldn't be saying and doing? That's not Christ-like. God wants us to be more like him. That's right. That's right. If we couldn't see anywhere you look in the Bible, God tells us over and over again to love your neighbor. Does it mean anything But Love your neighbor, no matter who they are. Love them. So I want to encourage you today. Will you stand right where you're at? We always say in our church, if you lift both hands, you make the V for victory. And so you've got to surrender to get the victory in your life. So I want to encourage you right where you're standing. Will you lift both hands today? Maybe you feel uncomfortable, but nobody's watching but God. But will you lift both hands to surrender that, God, I let go of the muck and the mire of my life. I let go of the judging, the anger, the bitterness, the resentment, the hatred, all these things in my life so that I can get the victory. And the victory is freedom, freedom from all that stuff, that you can have peace, fulfillment, and joy in your life. Will you pray with me? Father, as we lift our hands today, we surrender to get the victory in our lives, Lord, let it start with us. Search me, O God, as David did the four me's. Search me, God. Search me, God. Lord, search me, starting with this pastor. And for all the listeners today, let us be accountable. Let us be responsible for our own actions and our own words and our own things that we're doing. Not to blame it on others, but Lord, let us take the responsibility and take off the gloves so that we can be a better place and a better world and but most of all be Christ-like. Thank you for this wonderful congregation. Bless them and keep them. Bring us back some, to, some that may are walking in fear about coming back to worship yet at this time, but Lord, in their timing, that they'll come back and worship with us there every Sunday morning, 1015 at the Soros. Thank you, Father, for touching Michael Robin, and we give you all the praise now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider supporting us. You can make an easy and safe donation on our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com slash give. Thank you for your generous donation.